the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We are in the studio today with an amazing young lady who is just uh, taking on uh, the world of social justice by storm and uh, doing some amazing things. We're going to hear from her about a variety of things that she's doing. But let me introduce you and tell you a little bit about what her role is. She is a teacher's college Columbia master's student earning her degree in politics and education. She, before Columbia, she earned her bachelor's degree from UCLA in political science and conducted research in curriculum development, creating her own ethnic studies course for high school students. We have with us this powerful social justice advocate, India Johnson. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, you are not only are you a social justice advocate, uh, but you are the president of Contra Costa County Young Democrats and a survivor of sexual assault yourself. And and we're going to talk a little bit about that and and some of the things that you've experienced. You also have recently founded an organization um, called Yellow Heart Committee which is uh, dedicated to mobilizing and working to help survivors of trauma through policymaking and community outreach. And so, you know, we we are so grateful to have you on the show as a young person who has experienced your own, you know, has your own story to tell, but not just your own story to tell, a desire and a passion and a commitment to tell the story of others. And so again, thank you, India, for being on the on this show today. And um, I just want to start off, you know, so you, you're, you're involved in all of these active, you know, you're active in the community in all of these variety of ways. But I want to start with, you know, where it all began. And maybe you could just tell us about when it was that you knew that you wanted to be a, a social and political activist. Yeah. So I always think back to my story, starting with my mom. So my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was 12. But growing up with her, she always told me I could be anything I wanted. Like one week I wanted to be a fashion designer. She would give me everything I needed to be able to draw it out. I wanted to be an astronaut. She would take me to a museum so I can learn about it. So she was always encouraging me to do what I wanted and learn about myself. And so when I started getting into politics at the young age, you know, student council, fifth grade, like I was like, this is fun. And she was all for it, super encouraging, always telling me I could be a leader, that this and that. And that's where it started. I would say she's the catalyst for all of it. And so when I actually lost her in seventh grade, it was hard. It was incredibly hard. But what I did instead was like, I know my mom wouldn't want me to sit in here, you know, sad going through it, which of course I had to feel my emotions. But instead I started a group called Faith, Love and Care, which was dedicated to raising money for families in the local area who had other members dealing with cancer. 
So we would raise money, make baskets for people, give it out to community members. And all of this was in honor of my mom. My mom was such a loving person, so supportive. She made me and I'm doing everything I can in her honor to make sure I'm helping people just like she would have. And I think the moment where I realized I want to do social justice work was when I started interning for Congressman Mark Sonye and talking and seeing all that politics has to do with uplifting and silencing people made me want to make a difference. And that's where I'm like, I'm committed to this. I love this. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to use the voice that I have and the people that I've met and connections that I made to ensure other people are getting the help that they need. Wow. So inspirational. And so you graduated from UCLA um, with a, with a degree in politics and, um, and now you are at Columbia and what do you hope to achieve with the education that you are currently working, you know, you're doing? With my degrees, I mean, ultimately, my goal is to also get my a PhD. So that way, when I run for office, nobody can ever call my intelligence into question. Like I am an mm. educated black woman. I know what I'm talking about. I got a degree in political science, did the policy work, been on the ground, know what I'm doing. And I'm setting myself up for when I run that nobody can be like, oh, but what what does she know? How does she know this? What? It, no, I know more than you. That's first and foremost. <laughs> so definitely setting myself up to be the most educated and be prepared for anything. Very good. And so as you look at this, you know, the sort of the social justice landscape, there's so many different issues that are going on that impact, you know, as you know, Love Never Fails, our focus is is human trafficking, but more more than human trafficking and, and addressing that issue is the underlying issues that often lead up to trafficking, such as poverty, such as a lack of education, such as racism, sexism, uh, these isms, if you will, that stand in the way of people gaining access to what is rightfully theirs to have, you know, an unequal opportunity uh, to live their best life. You know, I know for me, that is my motivation. I can wake up in the morning and be so tired. And then in my mind, I can think about somebody who's been denied the opportunity to live their best life or been cast aside or, you know, or looked down upon. And immediately I am, I am all juiced up to get up and do and, and go about my day. What makes you you know, what what in this sort of uh, whole realm of social justice and gets you inspired to do what you do? I always think back to this group of students. So in 2017, I believe it was, I was organizing a series of town halls in Contra Costa County. And the town halls were the point of having the congressmen come interact with college students and then also have local electeds come talk to high school and middle school students. And so during that time of advertising, I was going around to different high schools, college classrooms and engaging with people. And I was talking about like, this is how you get involved in politics. What do you need to be supported? How do you want your voice heard? And the class that always stands out for me was when I went to an English language learners class. Um, I can't remember what high school it was, but that class, those students just told me their story about at first it was translation issues. Like we had to have someone translate for me and then someone translate for their story and them just opening up about how frustrated they are about how silenced they feel about how that school was stealing money away from their program. And they didn't know where it was going and talking about how, when they went to go ask the administrators, where was it? They didn't have an answer for them. And those kids were asking me questions about like, why did Trump become president? Why does he hate Mexicans? Is my family going to get deported? And after I left that class, like it was such a beautiful conversation, like engaging with them. I cried and I cried because I'll never forget my mentor telling me that even though there's a ladder and I'm on the lowest rung, at least I'm on the ladder. And that there's a lot of people who aren't even there and that I need to be able to use my voice and the privileges that I'm afforded socioeconomically connections, whatever it may be to make sure I'm uplifting other people. And those kids are the ones that always come to mind to me and they showed up to the town hall. It was beautiful. I ensured there was no police there because that was their biggest fear is that a lot of them are undocumented and they didn't want to even deal with police officers being present and them having that space to be able to just talk and like ask the questions to the local officials was amazing. And that's what I always think about. I have a picture of them right above my bed in my room and everything, because I'm like, 
this is why I do it. It's people like that who aren't afforded the opportunity to use their voice like I am. Yeah. And are the were these DACA students? Is that what what it was, um, you know, the, the, the focus or was that before that um, I, issue? I don't think it's around the same time, but I don't want to say that they were or weren't because I'm not sure, okay. but I would imagine okay. that some of them were considering they were undocumented, yeah. but they're also high schoolers as well. So it's, yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely yeah. sure. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think what's important here is that you, um, you took the time to hear about people's fears and their concerns and their, their heartfelt concerns and it stayed with you and so it sounds like um you you know that that format is something that um really uncovered passion for you and that and 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 i think i think it's important that you you did to take that time to hear directly sometimes when we um uh, you know, when we are doing pursuing our education, we're not he- we don't yet have that opportunity to hear directly from people who are experiencing pain firsthand. And and that, you know, that informs your your path. Oftentimes, I know it certainly did for me. So we're going to take a break here and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the things that we are focused on in Contra Costa County at the moment and really explore some of the ways, some of the things that you see that are happening in your area and ways that you are hoping that we can solve some of these big issues that are that many people are being faced with, in particular, young ladies such as yourself are experiencing. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. And again, we are in the studio with India Johnson, who is currently pursuing her master's at Columbia, a UCLA graduate um, with a focus on political science, also president of uh, Contra Costa County Young Democrats, survivor of sexual assault, and most recently a founder of Yellow Heart Committee, um, which we're going to talk about today. But before we do, I want to go back to you being a survivor, because I think it's so important um, when we do this work uh, that we recognize uh, our own story, our own narrative oftentimes is uh, the impetus and it informs the work that we're doing and the way that we see the pain of those that we, you know, that we, that we serve. And, you, you know, in our last segment, you mentioned that you came in and there were these students that were undocumented and yet you're not undocumented. And yet somehow your heart connected to their heart because you know what it's like to not feel seen, to not feel heard and to be overlooked and even to be discredited or um, not to be believed or not to be understood, you know, those types of feelings. And so I think it's important for the listening audience to hear about how much that has sort of informed what you're doing and what happened there. 
Yeah. So my story and journey with Yellow Heart and all that started January 1st, 2019. That's the day I was sexually assaulted. And from there, I was at that time, I was a resident assistant at UCLA. So I had already been trained in rape counseling about how to support people. So it was very much a double conscious type of thing where I knew what was about to happen to me. I'm like, okay, I'm about to go through all the steps of being a survivor, but also like, okay, you also know why you're acting this way because you were just trained to do this with your own residents. And I am grateful during that time because since I was a resident assistant, all of my friends by default were too. And so they were there to support me. They were there to make sure that I got up in the morning. They were there to make sure when I'm in the dark crying that they were going to help me. And I had such a strong community. My professor supported me. My boss is supporting me. I was in rigorous therapy and I think the only reason I was able to graduate UCLA early still was because of the support that I had behind me. And that's something that I recognize not most people have. I had people there spending the night for almost two months straight because they didn't want me being alone. And a lot of people can't say they had that kind of experience that I did. And I'm entirely grateful for it. And even though I thought I was handling it well, I wasn't. And what I was really doing was just suppressing the fear and trying to just get through my days. And on March 25th, I went in for an unrelated jaw surgery, but came out unable to walk. And what happened to me is called conversion disorder, which is when you convert psychological stress into a physical reaction. So a jaw surgery ended up being the reason that I couldn't walk because my body thought I was being raped when I was in surgery. And so not only did I have to learn how to eat again and talk, but also learn how to use my leg. And then while I was in the hospital, um, a needle actually exploded in my arm while I was getting an MRI. So I lost the ability in my right arm as well. So for two weeks, I was trapped in rehab and learning all of these functions that seem so normal. And I'll never forget the moment when I was dealing with suicidal ideation and I was just like, I'm not the same. My face doesn't look the same. I can't walk. I can't eat. I used to be two days ago in LA living with my best wife and my friends, this and that. And now I'm trapped in a hospital room because of something that someone else did to me. And basically going through those emotions, but having so many people come visit me and support me. But there was one night I'll never forget that I had a panic attack because for some reason I thought my rapist had gotten to the hospital. I don't know why, but it's just, you know, you go through stuff. And after I finally calmed down, I told my dad, I'm ready to report him. And so I was working extra hard that week to be able to be able to walk again. So that way I could walk into that police station and report him myself. And that's what I did. And that's the same day that yellow heart came to my mind. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. I want to support other survivors of trauma. I want to go report my rapist to be an example for other women and men who are also survivors. And I want to be back to being me. And so Yellow Heart was born out of that moment. It was born out of me tired of being trapped somewhere because of someone else and not having my voice being there, literally. And so Yellow Heart came out of that moment. Wow. 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 And I just want I think it's important for the listening audience to know that your dad actually works in law enforcement. And so, you know, um, I think it's important to note that because sometimes we have a a stereotype. We have a profile of the people who are getting raped, the people who are, um, you know, uh, you know, involved, who are survivors. And and we're talking about, you know, you you come from a, a good background. You come from education. There was no poverty that you were, you know, circumstances that you were faced with. And yet, uh, there was an incident which is, you know, very prevalent in college. Yeah. Um, you know, sexual assault is a very common act that happens to uh, people in college. And you experience six months of hell, it yeah. sounds like, um, and beyond, right? Yeah. Even though you were, you know, you had a wonderful support system, it it's doesn't so- take away from what you went through. And um, yeah, so. And I think, yeah. Too- crazy. It's like a lot of times when people say, oh, it happens at college. Mine actually happened in my hometown. I was home and then I was assaulted and I had to leave the next day to go back to school and give a speech on top of that. I was um, scheduled to speak in front of 200 to 300 people for a training and talking about mental health. And I'll never forget because that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was get up on that stage two days after being raped and talk about 
how my mental health is so much stronger. When I knew inside, I was dying. And I remember I gave that speech. My eyes were red because I had been crying constantly. I hadn't eaten in two days. I hadn't slept in two days. And I still had to get up there and talk about, yeah, like I've gotten so much better. I'm doing this for my life. I'm doing this. And I'm like, you don't even know what just happened to me 48 hours ago. And I'm sitting here looking at 300 people telling them about, yeah, I'm great. And I wasn't in that the fact I got over that, I knew I could do anything. And part of it's sad because I'm like, I wish I didn't have to do that, but I also didn't want to disappoint people. And that's something that I always have to balance is like putting myself first and knowing that I probably shouldn't have given that speech, but also knowing that that speech really inspired a lot of people to focus on their mental health. Yeah. You know, you bring up such an important topic here in that just taking a pause for a second and coming out of sort of this this thing about, you know, the, the programs that we've created and and the ways in which we're advocating. But just just that that uh, issue that we were faced with. I, too, am a survivor. And yet I have my own days and I have my own moments where I struggle. I think it's so important that there's space given, like I said to you earlier before we started the recording, that anything you didn't want to talk about, you don't have to talk about because that's part of being trauma informed. And so if you, if you came on, you know, I've said this to many of the girls that we have speaking at our galas and different like stuff like that. I'm like, if at any time you feel unsafe, you feel, uh, you know, something's happened, uh, you get to say time out. You get to tap out because it's actually, it's really hard on, you know, us to make us perform when, (laughs) when we've, you know, in your case, I mean, you had just experienced a sexual assault. I can't even imagine uh, going, you know, past that and delivering a speech. I mean, the resilience that you demonstrated there is mind boggling. And at the same time, I wish that you and others could say, I can't, something just happened. I can't. Mm -hmm. And, and have people know this is a reality of our world that at any given moment we can, we're, we're, we're feeling great mental health wise. And then these things come into our life and disturb us, we've got to be able to pick up the pieces in in our own way. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to talk about Yellow Heart Committee. What is the mission of the committee? What are you up to? How are you? um, How can people engage with that work? And, And so we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. Thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back. Uh, we are in the studio today with, D- I was going to say, Dania. I was going to call you Dania. Uh, India Johnson. And, you know, you know, my maiden name is Johnson, too, so we oh. might be related. But anyway. Surprise. <laughs> uh, it's so great to have you on. We're talking about all of the advocacy that you're doing, not only for others, but for yourself. 
as a survivor of sexual assault and the founder of Yellow Heart Committee, uh, the president of Contra Costa County Young Democrats, and and just a leader in our community that is advocating for the rights of others. We were talking during the break about triggers. And this is another thing that, um, again, this is part of being trauma-informed. Just to give you a quick story, Early in our community store, when we launched our community store, we had some of the survivors working in our store and they were like, oh, I I love to do promotions and I love to do marketing. One of them uh, went out with a uh, with a sign and they were on the corner saying, you know, come and get your shoes or your your jackets. And they had the sign shoes and jackets inside and they came in and they were shut down and. We're like, what the heck? What, you know, what's going on? You got to go back out there and, and finish doing some promotions. We need to drive people in here. And and she said, you know, to one of the, like the managers, she said, you guys are just, you know, pimping me out. And we're like, whoa, like what happened, honey? You know, like, of course we wouldn't do that. What just happened? And And as we began to process, what we realized is, that there was a guy who was in one of the cars who was uh, looking at her with a very similar kind of expression that guys that would pick her up for, you know, exploitation had looked at her and he winked and beeped at her and made her feel um, like he was inviting her for a quote unquote date. That's what it's called when you're being exploited and, and, you know, so he she felt like she was being solicited. She came in and didn't tell us that. And of course, we're like, no, no, we got to keep promoting. And but when we realized what it was, then we were more sensitive to, hey, when you go out there, you this could happen. Are you sure you want to go out for future girls? And so the point is, is that our mind has these experiences. And so you you were saying that you had some incidents even after your sexual assault where there were other incidents that occurred, you know, people who were whose rights were being violated. Maybe you just share uh, briefly, you know, what yeah. what you yeah. your experience, because I think it's important for people to know, like, how does this manifest? How does this impact my life? It's not just about the sexual assault. It's about the number that it does on me psychologically and emotionally hindering my connections with other people and the way that I see the world. So tell us about those experiences. Yeah, definitely. So after my assault around in June, I was actually an opening speaker for the Planned Parenthood um, event, which had Senator Kamala Harris and everything. And so it was such a great night. Like, you know, everything was beautiful. And then um, later we had all went out with staffers and everything. And one of my friends was there and he left with his partner and then he came back into the building and he was bloody. And I was like in a panic. I'm like, what happened? And he was talking about that. He'd just been attacked because they were gay. And I remember running out and everybody's following after. And we're like, who did this? Like, why? And I was so infuriated. And when I saw the guy who was belligerent and drunk, he didn't know everybody who was involved, which is a bunch of staffers, a DAs, congressional members, senators, all of that. And I remember screaming at him, like, you don't know who you just messed with. And he started apologizing. And I just remember getting so angry because it was a trigger for me. I didn't realize it at the time. But the reason I was so hurt by this and crying the way I was and screaming at the guy was because I felt like I was screaming at my rapist for hurting me. I was hurt that my friend was hurt. It had to go through a pain that I had to go through. I was mad that the police were showing up and screaming at us and I remember I got yelled at by the police when this guy was attacking us afterwards because they're telling us to disperse in the area. And I'm like, my friend has blood everywhere. What do you mean? Like, why are you not doing anything? And it was just such a trigger of like me trying to like basically project all of my anger onto this guy who hurt my friend. And eventually it ended up blowing up and the story made the five o'clock news because I made some calls and it got a lot bigger than I was expecting. But I'm glad the guy got fired, which is great. But it was at the end of the day, I still was hurt because I'm like, I was able to do all this for someone, but I still haven't even got justice myself. And after that, shortly a week later, I was at another event and this victim of sex trafficking was outside and she had been beat by her pimp. And when I went out there to go help her, she was so close to coming with me to go call the police to get help. Her pimp came around the corner and started screaming at her. 
And she looked at me and then ran away. And I was just devastated. And I'm like, I could have helped her. Like if I had gone out there sooner when she was on the ground, I could have saved her or something. And all these things just started going through my head because I'm like, why do all these traumas and things keep happening to me? And my mentor was like, it's not that they're happening specifically to you. It's just that you're more aware of it and you want to help everybody. And we had a hard talk about like, you can't project those feelings and you can't save everybody. And that's something that I've had to grow with and learn that like, you're going to see triggering things, but you got to stay level-headed. And I feel like in those moments, my emotions got the best of me because I was triggered and I, it got carried away, but at least some justice came out of it. But I wish I could have that same feeling of like, okay, he was fired, but I don't like my rapist is still out there, but at least I've been able to help others. And I'm sorry that you haven't received justice in your case. And which brings me to this yellow heart committee, because I think, I think I shared with you offline that I also am a survivor of childhood rape. And, you know, my, the person who committed that uh, crime to against me never went to jail for that or no charges were pressed. And as a matter of fact, I have forgiven him. I've spoken to him and um, he was, he was uh, only 13. I was 12. Um, So, you know, I've, as an adult, I've been able to say, man, you were a misguided young, you know, teenager that thought that this is what sex is. I forced myself onto a girl and, you know, you didn't know any better. And so I, uh, very different than your situation in that you were older. I have had much healing, much, Mm -hmm. much healing by forgiving uh, him and using that, um, all that pain that I experience um, to propel me to be a voice for the voiceless, but to your point, not without boundaries yeah. and not without self-care. Yeah, That is so, so important. So we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And I want us to just start into Yellow Heart Committee, yeah. <laughs> uh, what, you know, what the mission is, what you're doing with this bill, because I want people to hear about this bill, which is so important. And, the, and you know, in this case that we have pending uh, that is propelling your bill forward, yeah. we are going to take a quick break. We'll come right back. Thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Trash bills weighing you down? At Case Industries, we specialize in lowering waste costs and providing trash consolidation and compaction services for multifamily properties, condos, and commercial shopping centers. Let us help you reduce operating expenses and increase property NOI. Case Industries, saving the planet, saving you money. Contact us today for a property trash and recycling assessment online at caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. That's caseindustries.us or call 510-566-4223. Case Industries, the property manager's friend. Hi, I'm Sandra Herrera, CEO of Case Industries. I've found that many employers are looking for ways to help the community but don't know how. I encourage you to consider supporting Love Never Fails as a corporate sponsor. Love Never Fails offers all the resources necessary to help young women and men overcome the trauma of exploitation and abuse. And that's why I'm proud to have Case Industries supporting Love Never Fails Radio. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. Thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today again with India Johnson, who is uh, just a powerful young lady who's doing a bunch to advocate for the voiceless, whether it's uh, the undocumented, whether it's those that have experienced sexual assault or or a variety of other social justice issues. She's bringing her voice to bear to advocate for um, those who maybe don't have the insight or even the expertise that she's been learning. And as her, as she's uh, been a poli sci major at UCLA and, and, and also now a, a master's student at Columbia university. So we're again, just talking about a variety of topics, but I want to dive into yellow heart committee. 
Um, so that was sort of born again out of this horrible experience you had in January of 2019. You know, fast forward to now, what is Yellow Heart Committee? What is your mission? Who is involved? What are you doing? Yeah, so Yellow Heart Committee is all about mobilizing to help people who are survivors of trauma through policymaking and community outreach. And so where we started was back in May 2019, and we had our first fundraiser, which was the Bougie Brunch. And the whole point of it was I invited politicians to come speak, community leaders, and their whole purposes of their speeches was to talk about the importance of using their voice. And that was all like a signal at me using my voice to report my rapist. And so that kickstarted everything. It was a beautiful brunch. We had like 80 people in attendance. Um, so perfect. Like, oh my gosh, I loved it so much. And since then, we've done a sex trafficking awareness event. I've spoken at events. Um, and this year, starting in January, I had took a little bit of time off when I transitioned to Columbia because it was a lot. Like trying to be a master's student, starting a new organization, all of that. But in January, I had built some amazing friendships there. And I'm like, I want these people on my team. Like, they are so supportive. They're amazing. And I sat them all down for a meeting in New York. And I had a little Zoom call with friends in in the West Coast. And I was like, look, I need everyone on board. (laughs) And it was supposed to be just like a planning meeting. And literally, everyone's like, we're down. We're with you for life now. (laughs) And so since then, we had 13 amazing people by Coastal. We have people on East Coast, West Coast. Zoom calls are always complicated because it's like, oh, 5 p.m., 8 p.m., <laughs> trying to figure out times. But we have been meeting with elected officials. We recently met with Senator Holly Mitchell. But I, was, I love her so much. She's amazing. I had known her prior to. Um, met with former Congresswoman. Um, what's her name? Oh, my gosh, it's slipping my mind. But I'll come back to her. But basically, we've been doing the point of like building relationships with politicians. So that way, when our bill that we're working on, we'll have that backing and that support. So our bill is called the Sexual and Domestic Violence Task Force. And we want it to be implemented in California. So the whole point of it is that we actually have five demands, which we're going to be revising because one of them is not only applicable to California, but nationally, but mainly like doing a study on the violence that uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color experience when it comes to sexual trauma and how they receive resources. Um, centralizing sexual assault resources in California. So instead of having all these different options, knowing on a concise website, app, whatever it may be, this is where you go to get help. These are the steps to do that. Um, teaching more consent education to children. Basically teaching little boys that like, if a girl says, no, don't touch me. And people are like, oh, it means he likes you. No, that means don't touch her. And making sure kids understand boundaries and saying consent. If I say you can't hug me, you can't hug me. And that needs to be taught at a younger age. Also, which this last one that we had was born out of an experience that I'm going through as well. It's the demand that internet sex crimes are charged how in-person sex crimes are as well. So recently, back in June, I found out that myself and 90 other women were victims to a man taking our photos offline uh, without a permission and manipulating them and putting it on the dark web and soliciting them to other men. And not just doing that, but putting out our personal information, giving out our social media handles, and all of this dating back to when we were in high school. And this bill, that came from my experience, but also recognizing that we're living in a time where internet sex crimes is going to spike. We're with COVID. Everyone's indoors. Everyone's at home. So we need to treat those same crimes not as a civil matter, but a criminal matter as well. And actually, the person I forgot was Congresswoman Katie Hill, who fell victim to that as well. And she is a huge supporter of us and has been helping out with editing and crafting this bill. So now we're at the stage where we have to put it in formal language and terminology for it to become a bill and then scouting to see which assembly member or which senators would be on board to support us for 2021. But in addition, working with Ms. Vanessa through this and also working with the ADA's office and trying to gather support that way, we can actually come out with a bang in 2021 and have the support undeniably. Yeah. And I just have to say, you know, specifically on, you know, I I know that there are some efforts and you're early in this process. And one of the things that I, I love about what you're doing, as you know, I'm an advocate of young people in general learning. I, I think it's amazing that you are taking on uh, creating this bill. I'm rallying for you to to learn through this process, to um, meet as many people as you can, to uh, know your rights, know how to access the law 
and policy and resource. You reached out to me early on with this situation because you were worried about the victims and how do we properly support them. Love Never Fails is, you know, going to be, you know, arm in arm with you in supporting these 90 plus women, young yeah. ladies that are, um, have been victims of this internet crime. I know that in speaking with the DA's office, they have a, they've so far expressed interest in supporting as well. And so I'm, I'm very encouraged by uh, where we're at with this particular case. And we can't really say too much more about it. The fact that you're just taking this on and your bill is going to look very different. I'm sure you know that, you know, you're going to start off and you're going to pull the bill together. You know, you've got, you've already, already got the, the building blocks, <laughs> you, you know, you've already got it. I saw a, a quick yeah. look at it and, and then, you know, it'll go to the various committees and get, you know, uh, edited down and, and until, until hopefully it becomes law. And so uh, applause to you. But the thing that I think is so important is your bill is addressing some loopholes that are currently existing in terms of internet sex crimes. And so this for me is incredible uh, just as a, you know, as a anti-human trafficking, as a advocate for people who are being sold, children, predominantly black and brown uh, children, girls are being sold online. Mm-hmm. And there are just too many loopholes totally. um, that are not holding the perpetrators accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's just very disturbing. Yes. And there's not enough awareness even mm-hmm. about these things. So yeah. applause yeah. to you. I just wanted to I wanted to just kind of encourage you. Yeah. (laughs) The group and the team. Because a lot of them actually don't come from a political background. Maybe a couple of us do. And so I always tell people, I don't know if groom's the right word, but I've been groomed in politics essentially since being young and being involved. But a lot of people that are supporting me are ones who never even thought about policy or how to meet with an elected official. And I love when I hear from them saying like, Thank you for bringing me on board with this. Like, I didn't even know you could contact your senator and meet with them and stuff. And so seeing them grow, seeing myself grow with being more comfortable putting myself out there, like especially with Congresswoman Katie Hill. The reason we met with her is because I DM'd her on Twitter. I was like, I admire you. This is what we're working on. I'd love for you to join. And she did. And so it's been a lot of growth from not just me, but everyone is surrounding me as well. And I, it's, I'm really excited. I am super excited for what's to come for 2021. <laughs> So do you feel before we're going to take a break and go into things that are going on in the community, but just in terms of final words here, do you feel that these advocates, this advocacy work that you're doing is providing you some kind of healing? Yeah, I definitely think being able to share my story is healing, being able to know that I'm impacting others whenever I get DMs or messages, from people saying, thank you for speaking up. Like, this is how I feel. It, it makes me remember why I do it. I have my days where I just want to give up because I feel like things are going too slow or I don't like how people are responding to certain things. But I definitely think this is part of my healing. It's part of my story and it's part of my journey of who I am. And I think every day that I do this, I'm growing and I'm getting better. But it's the connections in the community that I'm building that has most impacted me. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, India, um, for being on the show. We're going to come back here in a few minutes and talk about some events that are going on in the community. We're super excited to make some announcements uh, about our store and our IT biz, new cohort and variety of others. So please come back and tune in. But uh, thank you again, India, for being on the show. We so appreciate you and you with all the love and blessings that uh, we can send you with. So thank thank you, you, Jen. All right. Okay, we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. This is Dr. Miluna Fausch. I am honored to serve on the advisory board of Love Never Fails, where each voice matters as lives are restored. Thank you for your support. Let's face it, you are making a pitch for something every day. 
Your verbal communication skills are the key to your professional and personal success. My company, Pitch Perfect Presentations, trains executives, management teams, and startups in delivering consistent, effective, engaging presentations to today's diverse audiences to rev up sales, attract clients and fans, and secure funding. Visit PitchPerfectPresentations.com to schedule your complimentary strategy call with me today. That's PitchPerfectPresentations.com, PitchPerfectPresentations.com. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Now, here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, Vanessa Russell. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We, again, are in the studio with uh, India Johnson. She actually had to sign off. Uh, Bye, India. She's a busy young lady. So uh, we released her to go off and do what she's doing. Uh, But I wanted to make sure you were aware that she has uh, an event coming up. It's called the Yellow Heart Committee. And it says uh, Yellow Heart Committee uh, presents the Sexual and Domestic Violence Town Hall. It's going to be on Saturday, October the 17th um, at 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. There's going to be a variety of folks that are uh, involved in this. Uh, It will be co-hosted by Love Never Fails and Family Justice Center. It'll be moderated by Susan Vice Mayor, Mayor Wanda Williams and Assembly Member Rebecca Bauer Cahan. We'll have speakers uh, Monica Wilson, who is Antioch City Council Member, um, myself, and Dr. Jermaine Johnson of South Carolina State House, uh, who's a S- South Carolina State House candidate. And so we're going to have a discussion about sexual and domestic violence. And of course, you know, this is, this is part of, uh, India's, uh, Yellow Heart Committee. And so do tune in. This will be obviously, uh, a online event and you can find out more about it by going to her, um, Instagram, which is Yellow Heart Committee. Uh, Facebook is also Yellow Heart Committee and she can also be reached by email, which is Yellow Heart Committee. At all spelled out at gmail.com. All right. Again, thanks to her for sharing her story, um, all of the areas that she's uh, committed to advocacy. And I just wanted to share a few other things about uh, what we're doing uh, in, in the Bay Area. Um, specifically in Hayward, we're reopening our store. Yay! In Hayward, California, 22580 Grand Street, we are reopening our physical store. We will be open Monday through Friday. Uh, we will start off uh, September 29th. Will be our relaunch, reopening day, September 29th. And we actually will have a census um, sign up going on at the same time for the city of Hayward. We're going to be kind of dual processing it, getting some folks out there to fill out the census, hopefully bringing the uh, support that is needed to the city of Hayward for all of the people that uh, the, the city is supporting. And so please come out. Uh, we will be open starting at noon. And we will stay open until five o'clock. And then we hope to expand our hours in the weeks to follow to 10 to, to, to five. But noon to five will be the starting point. And so we're we're just thanking all of you for keeping us in your prayers and uh, supporting our work. Also, uh, we want to remind you that we did open. We did a soft launch on our on our uh, youth house on August the 17th. I say a soft launch because we actually had some young ladies that were coming for services, but not actually living there. Um, and we're finding that this is actually a maybe a, a part of our journey. Part of the way that we provide our services is by starting off with some day programming. And so we are staying open to the way that we approach uh, providing these services to these uh, young ladies that are have been impacted by human trafficking. Again, girls between the ages of 13 and 17. And so please do keep us in prayer and please support us. We do. We're still in fundraising mode. We were able to raise about $64,000 so far. Um, We are trying to get to $150,000. So if you want to support the work of actually housing for young ladies 
please go ahead and hop on our GoFundMe or go to our website, loveneverfailsus.com forward slash donate. And you can donate there. Our, our house, our youth house is about restoring that child to safety, providing healing for her, and then reunifying her with her family. That We are about family. We are about safety. We are about healing. So please do support that work with these young ladies that we're serving. Also, we want to encourage you, if you want to be involved in our church mobilization effort, we have a meeting coming up. We're kicking this off with churches across the Bay Area. Please email Tara, T-A-R-A, at loveneverfailsus.com. She will plug you in. She will get an invite out to you. Um, I promise you it is going to be a great use of your time. We're going to hear from survivor leaders. We're going to educate you on what we'll be doing in terms of uh, ch- uh, educating churches across the Bay, across the state, please reach out and let us know how we can get you plugged in so we can better partner in the coming months and years. Um, and then lastly, just want to encourage you to continue to support us online with our store. It's store.loveneverfailsus.com. You can find out more about all the things that we have going on in the community on our Facebook, our website, loveneverfailsus.com, our Facebook, which is Love Never Fails Inc., our Twitter, Love Never Fails 5, Instagram, all these places. We're actually getting some interns from Cal State East Bay. They're going to be helping us bolster our social media, so you're going to be seeing all kinds of stuff from us. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we just uh, we just thank you so much for keeping in contact with us, keeping us in your prayers, helping us to encourage and support uh, survivors of all sorts across the nation and of course we want to make sure if you haven't heard it before you need to hear it again we want to make sure that you know that you are loved have a blessed day thanks for joining us this week on love never fails radio we trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com by liking and sharing our facebook page Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Give up a chance. Love your heart.